Hello and welcome to the Legacy of Generosity podcast, developed by the Leva Legacy Committee of the Minnesota Gift Planning Association. We are a group of fundraising professionals here to grow and learn with you, our listeners. Twice a month, our co-hosts are joined by a special guest to talk about all things related to being a stronger fundraiser and nonprofit leader. A huge thank you to our sponsors, the Minnesota Initiative Foundations, for making this show possible. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Here are your hosts. Hello and welcome everyone to A Legacy of Generosity. This is a podcast produced by the Leave a Legacy Committee of the Minnesota Gift Planning Association and sponsored by the Initiative Funds. And my name is Gay Gonerman. I'm the host for today. I am the Director of Donor Engagement at Lake Wapagasset Lutheran Bible Camp. And our, our three camp sites are known as Camp Wapo, Ox Lake, and Wilderness Canoe Base. And I want to welcome our guests today. They are Lynn Praska and Susan Holmes, and they are both uh, on the development uh, advancement team at the University of Minnesota Foundation. Um, I just met them last week uh, because they co-presented a session at the Minnesota Gift Planning Association annual conference. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that when I, after I introduce each of them and let them say hello. So first we have Lynn Praska, and Lynn joined the plan giving team at the U of M Foundation in 2009. She came there from Hamlin University with more than 17 years of planned and major gift development experience at that institution. Lynn is a member of the National Association of Charitable Gift Planners and the Minnesota Gift Planning Association. She served on the uh, Gift Planning Association board from 2006 to 2011 and as chair in 2008. And she is uh, continuing to serve as a member of the Conference Committee and Communications Committee. So welcome, Lynn. Thank you. And then with her, we have Susan Holmes and Susan joined the plan giving team at the U of M Foundation in 2007 and is now Senior Director of Planned Giving. She has over 30 years of development experience, having held positions with United Way, Catholic Charities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, and Community Action Council, which you may know by the name 360 Communities. Susan earned her BA from the College of St. Benedict and her Master's in Public Administration and Management from Hamlin University. She is also a member of the National Association of Charitable, Charitable Gift Planners and the Minnesota Plan Giving Association, serving as its chair in 2006. And she is now on the board and past president of the West St. Paul Mendota Heights Rotary Club and a volunteer at St. Pascal Balan Church and School. And she lives in St. Paul with husband Joe and son Peter. So welcome to you, Susan. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I really appreciate your joining me on this uh, Thanksgiving week episode. And we wanted to focus one of our episodes around gratitude and and the joy of donor relations. And it's kind of a two-way street, I think, um, when we when we go uh, when we look at that theme. So I had been wanting to find a presenter or speakers or guests, I guess you'd call, you'd say, for this episode. 
And I attended your session at the Gift Planning Association, and I thought, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. So uh, just to let our listeners know, they did a, a presentation um, that I don't remember the name of the session now, but uh, it was uh, focusing on donor relations, and you're, you structured it around themes of relationships and tell me a little bit how you came up with all of these different themes that you decided to talk about well i can start if you don't mind this is susan so the theme of our of the overall presentation was uh, the lessons learned from 60 years of practice because between the two of us we have over 60 years of development experience and and as we sat down and thought about, you know, how do we want to talk about, you know, sharing some of the stories that we've that we have gathered over the years is we thought, well, let's do it by themes, because there's so many different ways in which gifts come together. And so as we as we sat down to think about it, we put passion at the center as a as the main theme, because knowing and understanding what donors value and what they believe in and what they accomplish uh, with their gift, that really falls under the theme of passion. And then we had kind of the surrounding themes of different areas in which we have seen how gifts come together. And so we just, we came up with those themes and they are collaboration, philanthropy heals, serendipity, donor timelines, setting limits, and stewardship. And, and I'll let Lynn talk about this a little bit too, but Interestingly enough, as I'm sure Gay can attest, when we were sharing the stories around those various themes, pretty much every single one of them intersects with the other because there's just so many different ways in which gifts come together. And that was intentional for us to kind of have those themes really called out that way. But there's some specifics within each of the themes that are, of course, um, you know, that are really identified with each of those specific areas. But it was really fun for us to then, you know, using those themes to come up with right, the right kinds of stories, to be able to share just how gifts come together and how donors are motivated and how we as professionals can help them through using all those different themes to help make the best gift possible. Very nice. Lynn, what would you like to add? Yeah, I think we kind of started earlier talking about the interconnectedness of all of the themes. and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to separate one from another, like Susan said, um, but it is fun to come up the stories that relate to all of them. And then in the end, our goal was also to show just the um, the joy, while every day is in sunshine and roses, as we say, but generally the joy that we've gotten from those 60 years of this line of work and, and how much the donors and the stories and the other um, folks that we've worked with within our community, not only within our organizations, but in the larger community and through the Minnesota Gift Planning Association, how much that has meant to us and to our careers. Absolutely. Yeah, excellent. And I, I do note you really drew from multiple experiences over quite a few years. It's nice to have kind of a, 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 a collection of uh, kind of su success stories, but also just things that keep you motivated. Uh, I, I imagine you can 
draw from past experiences to uh, kind of get you unstuck sometimes when you're in different situations. Yep, that is so true. And, you know, one of the things that I mentioned and, and Lynn will agree with this as well is that we talk about philanthropy and the work that we do being a team sport. And, you know, we're measured as development officers oftentimes using kind of individual metrics and then how you're measured as a team in terms of achieving goals. But that team sport piece of it is just so important. In fact, today, um, you know, we because we have this team here at the at the at the foundation that and our plan giving team, you know, we're always talking amongst each other saying, OK, I've got this particular experience. Do you have uh, do you have a, a sample letter? That, that I can use to just really pull out, you know, today, earlier today, it was this one that does a comparison of between a charitable gift annuity and a charitable remainder trust. And so I was able to find one and share it with my colleague and say, you know, probably not exactly what you're looking for, but it's something that helps to really build upon, you know, what, what you might need to be able to fill in the details with whatever that particular donor story is. Nice. And not only in, in that regard, that is great, too, when it comes to correspondence, et cetera, but just being able to bounce ideas off other people and say, you know, strategize. What have you done in this scenario? What might you do differently? What has your past experience been? Knowing, obviously, every donor is unique and every scenario is, too. But oftentimes, there's experiences that we've had over those years that we can help um, inform the questions we might ask or um, suggestions that we might give to both our colleagues and to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And each gift in itself is multifaceted from the perspective of a unique donor, a unique purpose, something they want to accomplish um, mm -hmm. for sure. Would each of you like to choose one of the themes that you talked about and uh, maybe talk about why it's just a favorite of yours, or maybe it's something that you keep going back to. Um, I know, I know, I think I know which your choice would be, Lynn. We, you, you kind of revealed that at the. Let's have the Lynn session. start with hers. We know what it's going to be. I was going to say, you don't want to start with passion, Susan. <laughs> uh, well, so speaking of passion. Um, <laughs> My passion would definitely be stewardship, um, and I think that's appropriate as we are uh, talking about Thanksgiving and, and the theme of gratitude. Um, you know, I think, again, all of our themes are important, but for me, this has been something um, that I strive for. I would not say by in the least that we are experts, um, but it's something that we want to do better at and then we are constantly working at. And I um, kind of started that presentation by saying that I think we get hung up on the word stewardship sometimes. And thanks to my colleague, Jennifer Clark, who's in our College of Science and Engineering at the University of Minnesota, she once said when she and I were presenting on stewardship um, that it is cultivation in disguise. And so I really I like thinking of it as cultivation in disguise because that way, um, you know, it, it's cultivation towards another gift, or in, in our case, in plan giving, it's ensuring that that replicable gift will be there in the future. And that oftentimes means more to leadership than saying, yeah, I'm doing stewardship today. And I, I truly believe that we have an obligation to steward gifts. Um, the organization agreed to it when the gift was accepted. And so um, I don't know if you want me to go into some of the 
examples that I gave Gay. Um, yes, I, I would love to hear a little storytelling. Okay, okay. So, you know, oftentimes we might think of stewardship as being expensive. It's a big event. It's something, uh, you know, a lunch and a dinner, some big activity, some report that took a ton of time. And what I really like to focus on are, you know, those are great if you have the time and the resources. But what I was focusing on was simple engagement, something you can do quick, um, letting donors know that we haven't forgotten them, ways that we can keep in touch that is simple. Um, but effective so that um, when donors are thinking about making a gift that we are top of mind. And some quick examples of that for us have been um, revolve around pictures. I've, I've noticed this as a theme as I've, I've thought about stories is that I had a colleague once who would take pictures on campus. I've always worked in educational institutions, but so of the different seasons when it was snowing, like if the donor didn't live locally, here's an example of a first, you know, here's what's going on here, our first snowfall. And so they would take pictures of students walking across campus. And it was ways to connect with the donors, but not always being, um, not always asking for the gift, right? Or talking about gifts, but different ways to engage. We recently had some donors um, put together a plan giving video for us that we were using at events. And what I did then was as their video was up on the screen, I took a picture. They could see how many people were in the crowd and how many people um, were watching that video. And so that was something, again, another way to just keep in front of them, keep engaged and let them know how much we appreciated what they were doing, um, because that was something unique and it was kind of fun for them to see how many people were were seeing their video uh one time i took we had a donor who had a house near campus and that i live near that particular campus and he had moved into senior living quite a ways away and so one day i realized as i was driving my daughter to piano lessons that i was passing that house all the time so i thought you know it only took me a minute one day to pull over act like a stalker and take pictures of that house. But that just meant the world to him, brought tears to his eyes. So again, it's just those little things. What can we do? What might be something special to a particular donor where you can, you know, it's a couple minute email or snapping that picture and forwarding it on. I've seen different collegiate units at the university with some great college updates. You know, the fall semester starting, here's what our new, um, students look like. Here's kind of their um, background for the year, where they're coming from, how many there are, and then a quote from the dean. And again, just ways to connect that then donors often, it was amazing how many donors responded, oh, thanks for that. And by the way, here's where I'm at with my advisor. Or here's where I'm at with my um, required minimum distribution and when I'm going to take it. You know, they oftentimes went to the gift, even though that email had absolutely nothing to do. Um, with giving. Uh, so again, it's all those little ways that you can, A, incorporate um, those donors into what you're already doing. Maybe it's mailings, maybe it's um, some type of event, but making sure that they're included and then thinking to yourself, you know, how can you show donor impact? For us, it's planned giving, but there are ways to show what their future gift might do. Um, again, meeting those donors' expectations and creating meaningful experiences. And I want to give a shout out to Scott, Scott Nelson, who I know um, is a volunteer with Leave a Legacy. And 
I've volunteered with him in the past through MGPA. And at one point he said, he doesn't remember saying this, but he did. Once we are in someone's plan, it's our job to earn the right to stay in their plan. So again, um, just cannot reiterate enough how important that stewardship is for, for donors. And again, we're all always learning and always improving what we're doing, um, but not losing sight or focus of that, I think is incredibly important. So true. Yes. What a nice shout out too. And what I like about your examples is that most of them are just so, they're, they're such a personal touch. That's something they're not going to see in kind of like a canned email from the institution or a magazine they get. It's like, no, I'm saying, Lynn, this is me talking to you. And this reminded me of you. And, you know, it's a person to person thing. I really like that. And there's so many, again, you can do it more in mass to multiple people, but make it look personalized. Um, But just what you said, I think what has really helped me over the years is knowing what people are interested in. Maybe it's, you know, I had a donor that was really interested in, in water and water resources and liked a particular professor. So when I would see that professor on the news or um, in some newspaper, I'd make sure to send that information on. So yeah, knowing yes. what they're interested in and being able to share something. And it doesn't take much time to do that. Like a little personal clipping service. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that reminds me of when I worked for United Way years in my first job in development. We had somebody who actually clipped things so that we would have that information to be able to share with folks. And Lynn, you probably had that at Hamlin too. Just reminds it just reminds you of the the ways in which it's always been so critically important and around this theme of gratitude and the power of you know being grateful and around you know this this time of year. Right, it's just so important for us to just lead with gratitude all the time. I mean, it's interesting where we see um, sometimes, you know, as we're working with our development officers across the university, it's like when you're in this relationship and you're talking about a gift with someone or they raise their hand and say, you know, I'm interested in making a gift. The inclination is to like leap into the discussion about the gift. And, you know, we're always saying, okay, let's pause for a moment. Take say thank you because you know you you want to lead with with that but you know it's it's, in this world where everything is just go 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 it's the how do we you know how do we take a pause and just really lead with that gratitude earlier today um got a a, a thank you note from a donor and i just i I pointed this out to to lynn i mean in terms of gratitude can't tell you when you are doing those kinds of expressing gratitude whether it's you know, the, the simple things like going to lunch or you're just, you're sending them a birthday card. That is something that we take very seriously, whether it's an actual card or during the pandemic, we really transitioned to a lot of electronic readings, which has been awesome because it's so easy for people to reply to us directly to say, thank you so much. And, you know, this note that I got today was a thank you for the thank you lunch we had, you know, so how many times our donors doing, you know, you know, echoing back to us the kind of gratitude we're expressing to them. And then also saying things like, again, going back to that theme of passion, care so deeply about this part of the university in our example that we're, what we're giving to, that it just, it just feels so good for them to be making gifts and it just makes them happy. And there's, 
we have so many donors who express that kind of gratitude back to us for the opportunity to give. And, you know, what a, what a wonderful thing. And again, one of the themes we shared last, last week was just about how, it, whether you are new to this profession or this has been something you've been doing for a long time, just the reminders of just how wonderful it is to be in this, in this, to be able to practice philanthropy alongside our donors and to be walking that journey um, with them through all the different things that happen in their life. We are, it's just a privilege to be able to do that. And that, that whole expression of gratitude back and forth is just such a wonderful part of what we get to do every day. And I love that Penelope Burke, who is a fundraising consultant, mm -hmm. she says that stewardship is should be, it's not a momentary thing, that it should be pervasive in everything we do. And that is something that I've kept in mind. And I love what you just said, Susan, because, you know, sometimes this business can seem a little bit transactional and that that really is um, not the type of fundraising we personally do. We We want to be there for the long haul, like Susan says, through that relationship, seeing that grow, seeing the additional gifts that come from that type of engagement and stewardship and cultivation, whatever word you want to give to it. Um, but it, we've seen, we've, we've been around long enough to see the difference that it makes. Absolutely. And I'll just share an example. This is interesting to me. I think a couple of weeks, well, probably a couple months ago, Longtime donor to the university, supportive of athletics, and she had in, she had put together a scholarship and she had put together an estate gift in support of the university. But then she, as she was reflecting on just kind of her overall plans, she came back to us and said, "You know, I've really, I've changed my mind about this. I'm going to continue to do this this work that I want to do in terms of giving you gifts and support of all the different things you choose sports and athletics." But I really want to change my plans in this other way. And by, you know, it is up to us to meet that situation, which doesn't happen all that often. More often than not, it's like Lynn talks about, is where when you're building a relationship, that philanthropy just continues to grow. But sometimes people change their mind. And so it was such a wonderful experience to be able to share with her, you know, we really appreciate you providing us with this update. And I sent her her birthday greeting, like, a week or so ago, and she sent me a, a message right back saying, you know, I'm so grateful that you remembered me on my day, and I feel such great gratitude for the university and what I'm doing, even though we just had this conversation about her changing her plans for us. I mean, these are the kinds of ways in which you meet other people, human to human, and you understand where, they, where it is they are, and you want to be, you're with them along the way, whether it's something that, you know, is going to ultimately impact our our particular mission or not. She's caring about something else that's wonderful. And it's really up to us to make sure that we're helping people fulfill what it is they want to fulfill with their film product plans. That is a wonderful perspective. And when you do talk about, you know, kind of um, uh, inviting people into this work, you know, a lot of times you hear, oh, but I just couldn't ask people for money. Um, but maybe turning that around and saying, but do you enjoy thanking people? Because such a big chunk of our work is and, and ought to be about saying thank you. And you're right. With that engagement, oftentimes you don't have to ask. It just it comes naturally and they want to give. And they're asking you, how can I give? How can I do more? Which is a wonderful feeling. And you're just the facilitator helping to make it happen. Exactly. 
Yeah. Susan, what about you? Would you like to pick one of your favorite themes and expand on a little bit? Well, I'm going to pick one of the themes that actually Lynn talked about in her presentation, and I'm just going to kind of talk about it off the top of my head, because I think it's it's one that I think that we have seen so many times in, in my experience, and I know Lynn has as well, but with, with that being philanthropy heals. And what I mean by that is that there's just so many ways in which the act of giving just really helps people to, you know, whether it's moving through things like grief or it's it's wanting to, you know, hand, you know, to address something that maybe they felt like they didn't, you know, address earlier in their life, or something that you know, they really want to help. Say this is a this is a situation where I wish that I would have been able to do something differently. So the example that I would give is this: I've worked with alongside so many of our donors who have lost, whether it's a spouse or a child, or as Lynn mentioned in the experiences that we've had, people lose pets. Pets are family members, and so because of those types of experiences. A lot of times it takes some time for them to kind of work through some of the, the grieving experience. And then by making gifts and thinking, how can I do something to either memorialize this person that I loved or to honor or to recognize them so that they're remembered for forever through the gifts that they're making in the future. And that is just such an incredible experience to walk alongside our donors through those types of um situations and it's you know it's just one of those those gifts of this profession that I, I hope you know it's hard it, there's no doubt about it uh, it's very hard um, and you know as Lynn mentioned again in that presentation last week is that you know we're not trained as social workers or professional um, you know grief counselors but a lot of times we we take on those kinds of roles and just by listening and really just meeting people where they're at and helping them to really say, okay, what about this kind of gift that you might be considering making? What is this going to help you to accomplish that maybe will help you to then, you know, work through your, whatever the grieving process might be? Or, you know, lots, sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a healing celebration type of a gift. Um, so I just, I, I love that theme. And, and I think we've... Um, that we've been made better by the relationships that we have formed throughout this this kind of career that we've chosen. And I think that um, we can't talk about themes and not, I mean, all of them, again, are important, but talking about timing, um, because that <laughs> after 60 years, how many times have we heard, you know, how can we make this donor move faster? How can we... <laughs> spur plan giving donors into action how do you break that plan giving code and um again we we would always say we wish that we had a crystal ball and we wish that you know things moved as quickly as as we would like or do you know to meet our fiscal year end goals or our metrics or you know whatever that might be um but what we have definitely learned is you know, we can try to influence that. We can walk alongside those donors. We can share, um, you know, things that may or may not influence the timing. But in the end, it's it's really the donor. It, it's not us. It's not our magic crystal ball. It's nothing that we can do. It's when they are ready, whatever that may mean for them is when they're going to move forward. So um, while I wish we had some great tips or clues for making donors move faster. I think, again, just being with them, being there when they need us, um, and being responsive 
uh, and not putting off that response to our donors is, you know, the best thing that we can do when, again, when they have, whether it's a retirement or a death that Susan, Susan just talked about or um, whatever it may be that they're ready to move forward, that we are top of mind for them. And the way that we're going to be there is, again, combining these themes, knowing what their passions are, knowing, um, having them engaged and involved in our organization. You want to add anything to that, Susan? Yeah, I, well, that's, the timeline is just, I, I think back to our, you know, we have a colleague that we worked with for many years, um, Chris, who retired a number of years ago, who we, we also at the University of Denton, we do all kinds of training, of course, around how do we do this work well, effectively as teams, but, but also as individuals doing this work. And one of the, the themes is it's not about you. It is not about you, development officer. It's about the donor and it's about connecting the donor with their passion, whatever that passion might be at the university is the intersection of those things and that that really makes then the the world go round and gifts come together right and the timeline piece is just so incredibly critical to that and what I've seen and you know I know Lynn can speak to this as well is as we've had this transition to move to try to quantify the activities of development officers in ways that are you know if you do this then this is going to happen and then it's going to result in this and Yes, there's all kinds of really wonderful management tools that allow us to really measure the activities that we're doing that do lead to the results and eventually, you know, wonderful gifts. But as Lynn just talked about, the magical component of that is where is the donor at and on their timeline. And we so many times are talking with our development colleagues about the fact, you know, you know, when people get kind of impatient about, well, gosh, they're just taking such a long time. I'm like, think about it. These people are in their great retirement years. They are traveling. They're spending time with their grandkids or they're just doing whatever it is that makes their life joyful. And that doesn't, sometimes, of course, they have a lovely relationship with us and we're front and center for them and we know how important they are. But that doesn't mean that they're sitting around thinking about what is my, do I need to update my estate plan or am I thinking about my philanthropic plans for this year at this every moment? And, you know, that timeline piece is just so incredibly important for us to be sensitive to say, hey, we are, this is where it goes back to stewardship. How are you doing those little touches to ensure that we are top of mind? Because we can't control those timeline pieces, but what we can control is keeping us in the brains of the folks that are eventually going to be ready to make whatever that next gift would be. And I, it's, it, that, that those pieces are, you know, we talk about those kinds of things all the time, which is you just have to realize that sometimes, even though we are the best professional fundraisers ever, <laughs> you know, we, th there are things that we cannot control and you have to just let that go and do all the right activities and you'll eventually get to the, the outcomes that are going to be both meaningful for the donor as well as for the institution you're representing. Now I'll share and just realizing oh, sorry. I'll share one really quick example uh, of that scenario and that is um, a donor couple that I had been working with with another development officer in a college and we were just at the point that they were going to add a hundred thousand to a charitable remainder trust and right literally as we were getting ready to do that and help them you know it was uh, with a stock transfer 
we learned, or they learned, and then we learned that their daughter had cancer. And so um, they said right away they weren't going to be able to make that gift. They were going to have to pay for her care. And so, you know, we obviously took a step back. We did not continue to ask about the gift. We walked with them on that journey. We um, sent the daughter a care package. And, you know, we just regularly checked in just that we were there, again, not asking about the gift. What happened is that less than a year later, we never asked, but they ended up making that gift and they did not add to their trust. They decided they didn't need the income. So it ended up being an outright gift. So even, um, you know, a gift that the university could use right away. So it turned out to be a positive, even though we had to wait a little while for that gift. That's a gratifying scenario for sure. You also make me wonder, um, I don't know how many uh, relationships each of you manage in your portfolios, but do you ever get to a point of being a little overwhelmed at all the juggling you're doing of all those different relationships? And especially if, say, by some external event happens, some world event, oh, I don't know, a pandemic or something of that nature that does suddenly trigger like a lot of donor activity how do you manage if you know if all of a sudden it seems like you it's just hard to keep up with with the donors well we if if people could see our faces we're like <laughs> a little bit laughing and saying never of course right <laughs> that never happens to us oh yes it happens all the time you know i think for me it's lots of lists right susan <laughs> And keeping track of, you know, what are the priorities? You know, I think of the the recent um, hurricane in Florida, and that was something where, you know, that affected a lot of people, I'm sure for many charitable organizations across the country. So, you know, it was kind of like, how, how can we reach out quickly? Um, who are the folks that we know that are in Florida? How can we make sure that we're showing our concern, which was, you know, it's a real concern, right? It was um, and making, just checking in again. Um, I don't know if you have something more, Susan, as far as how you manage everything. Yeah, you know, some some days are difficult, right? There's a lot going on. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, it's, there's constantly a, gosh, I should be doing this, and I should be talking to this person. I mean, we are really fortunate at the university, and I'm sure most organizations are, that like lean into the, the the contact management system you have, right? So that if you if there's ways where you can really focus in on, so we have the you know uh, little action steps that you can put together, you know, and then then of course you know it's keeping up with the action steps. Then you have to look at them, right? And you have to you know manage them every day. But but yeah, it's a it is a it is a very constant. Um, uh, you know, and I'm going to use the word struggle, which sounds a little bit too, that's probably a little bit too heavy of a term, but, but just really trying to keep on top of all the different relationships, especially, you know, there's, there's an amazing thing that happens when you have the kind of longevity that you have within the organization that Lynn and myself have, and then a lot of people on our team, we've been here for a long time. And so therefore, we are the, the continuity in the relationship for a lot of different donors that have various interests across the entire university. And some of the other development officers have maybe come and gone multiple times, but were the consistency there. 
So that just that just adds to the, you know, we have to just keep up those relationships and bring new people on board. And that's part of the exciting part of the job, too, is, you know, you get to introduce new people. But it is, you know, I wish, you know, going back to the theme, if there's like some magical way in which we can manage these these relationships all at the very same time, at the very same level that we always want to be at, gosh, wouldn't that be awesome? But, you know, we do the best we can and we come back each day and, you know, start over again. And that's just how it has to go. As we said in the beginning, we are not the experts. We are constantly learning and trying and we <laughs> we have a long ways to go to get to where we would like to be. But we try on Absolutely. You uh, you right. also shared a, a little tip uh, you'd gotten along the way from Frank Robertson, which I think you called the prime directive. The prime directive. If that's yes. something that helps you prioritize, which can, can you describe what that is? Sure. So, so that was around the, the themes of just making sure that that you are doing the right things every single day in terms of your practice. And what are the what's the priority of your work? And for us, it's always you know, responding to donors first. Right. So that's what the prime directive is. And so, uh, you know, followed closely, of course, by a, a whole bunch of other things, which in our work here at the university, because we have so many partners we work with at the different units and in working at the different colleges, it's following up with them, too. But that prime directive is really, first and foremost, make sure that you are following up with the donors who have either reached out to you or who have indicated that they're on a certain timeline to complete their gift or whatever, whatever the particular scenario is with the, with those donors, it's really important to just prioritize that work and to try to really keep on top of that. And and then there's a there's a kind of an ancillary theme to that that you know I can ask Lynn to talk a little bit about, which is, you know, setting some limits, right? So you know, yes, while well, we have the the prime directive of, you know, responding to people in a timely manner. And for us, you know, within 24 hours is a great um, you know, kind of the best practice. But and I'll, again, I'll, I'll lead into this, but as, as we know that the timelines for follow-up to people have just dramatically shrunk, um, especially during a pandemic, but since the advent of cell phones in particular. Um, and so those things have all really come together to say that, you know, people do expect kind of 24/7. the 24-7 response. Mm -hmm. And we're here to say that it's okay to, you know, we don't have to be that responsive. And so, Lynn, I'm sure because this was a theme you covered well, if you want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I, go ahead. Yeah, I think you've covered it, Susan, as far as, you know, we, at least the majority of us, I think our cell phone has become our work phone. I, I don't even use my office phone hardly at all, um, if ever. And, you know, that just makes it harder because donors do expect, um, they will text us at all hours of the day or night and whether they expect us to respond or not is kind of on us because sometimes, um, as Susan has told me, like, don't do that. And then they won't expect it from you. Um, but it, it definitely has made a challenge with the work-life balance when it comes to what we do. But I think, you know, again, we, we don't have to respond at 10 o'clock at night, nor do we have to respond on Saturday night. Like, mm -hmm. I think Susan pointed out one of our colleagues um, during the pandemic had a nice um, line in her emails that, you know, these are the hours you could reach me. And so I think we could all lean from that and, and learn from the, with the work-life balance and, and share that this is not work time for me. And um, so I will reach out when I can. And, and I definitely agree. I, I, I am like Frank, 
I like to be very responsive to donors and as quickly as possible, um, but I am trying to learn that that doesn't mean I have to do it in that instance, especially if it's during dinner or when I'm getting ready for bed or whenever yes, else it may be. Exactly. Well, as we start to wind down, I wonder if you would each share a little bit, just circling back to the joy that you find in this work, if you would just share a little bit of just um, how you would express that from your uh, tenure in, in the field. How do you describe the joy that, that you find that kind of keeps you coming back every day? Wow. Um, there's so many things. And I think Susan gave an example from a donor that said thank you to a thank you today. I mean, I think it's for me. Um, there's often been times, Susan, you'll have to help me with my own example, but, you know, where I'll come back from some event or some lunch and I'll say, I can't believe I'm working. Like, really? I get paid to do this. Um, and I think for me, what has been, again, working in an educational um, institution is that the joy of seeing the donors meet their scholarship recipients and sometimes just those great connections. And like when you sometimes some of those fund agreements that we put together can be kind of difficult. And when you see it all come together and see this great relationship um, afterwards, it, it's so incredibly rewarding. Um, and so that has been very, very special to me. And I think, I know, um, in fact, I think Kirby Stoll in a, one of his, his presentation last week for the conference, he mentioned, you know, when people include charitable organizations in their plan that they're elevating you know, to the status of a family member, which is something we have said for a long time. I'm pretty sure, Susan, that maybe I even came with that before coming to the U, but we, we talk about that a lot. Robert Sharp. Robert Sharp. That was, that's where, that where I think that's, that's who I attribute that to. <laughs> that stelter. I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, no. This is long before, long before that, you know? And so I just, I just think it's an honor and a privilege to work with people to help them figure out what those passions are, to see them come to reality. And if they don't come to reality during their lifetime, you know, being able to show them ways that they will make that impact in the future. Um, again, just incredibly rewarding. And I will let Susan add to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many examples I can think of that were just like Lynn said, this, you know, sometimes you think, I cannot believe that this is my job when you are sitting down talking with people and they're just sharing their, their most, you know, kind of their fervent desires for, you know, I've done this my whole, my whole career. This was my, I'm thinking one person in particular, you know, I've built this expertise and in investment and I'm holding on to these dollars. They're all allocated to you for the various purposes that we've discussed over the last number of years, but I'm holding on to them because I want to keep growing those assets. And they're, you know, they're going to be significant amount. And, and just to hear the passion in somebody's voice seems like, you know, God darn it, the university just did everything for me. I am here. And, and this is the, this is, I was, I'm able to be, to make these gifts because of what the university gave to me and just the expression of gratitude and and just you know being able to talk to that person about that every single time we have the opportunity to meet and just knowing this how excited he is about growing these assets. I mean, we're talking upwards of ten million dollars, right? This is these are really really significant gifts. 
But I'd also say it's not just those gifts that are those really, really large gifts. I mean, I've worked for probably eight years with a donor who lived out in um, Eugene, Oregon, actually. And I never had a chance to meet him, but I had wonderful phone conversations with him. And he loved his wife so deeply. And she passed, had passed away and he was, she was a, a school of nursing grad. And so he set up charitable gift annuities to create a fund in her name. And he, every single time we talked, he just talked about just how, how excited he was to be able to make some gifts where it would eventually have a fund in her name. And, you know, then he passed away a number of years ago and, you know, the fund was, was in the mid hundred, probably $150,000, but, you know, just an incredibly meaningful gift of support. From a person, again, you know, I had felt like I had a very close relationship with this person, but never had an in-person, you know, meeting with them. So it's, it's an, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic being in the kind of relationships we're in. And I just, you know, that again, we, we, we harken back to that word of privilege to be able to do this uh, on a day-to-day basis. And I just, you know, I, that's just that's just such a, a special part of what it is we do each and every day. And I would be remiss if I wouldn't also add to the the joy of this work is this the colleagues that that I've gotten to work with over the years. I mean, Lynn clearly one of them. I mean, Lynn and I have known each other since their you know the early two thousands back when and we got to know each other through the Plan Giving Council, um, which of course you know has changed its name over the years, and so it's kind of shortened it to that, but. I mean, I would not be in the role that I'm at at the university without the relationships I developed. I met Frank Robertson that many years ago. uh, And eventually when I was looking to move into a full-time role and I wanted to try to get into the university, it was because of the relationship I had developed with him being on the education committee prior to being on the board, prior to serving as the president of this organization. I mean, the relationships that have been developed on the development side, as well as, of course, on the advisor side of of that of this organization, but it's invaluable. I had the opportunity in, at the 40th uh, conference, the 40th annual conference, to sit on a panel with Clint Schrader, which was, you know, I was, you know, I was not worthy to be sitting on a panel with, with Clint Schrader, but... I mean, you know, like the godfather of everything plan giving in this country or, you know, one of them, one of the many, but, you know, definitely one of those folks. And as somebody who just did an amazing amount of work in the legal community and, you know, obviously in alignment with all the nonprofit organizations and, you know, really was one of the, the main instigators of this council. And so this is those kinds of relationships that you then, you know, I've been able to establish with people and, you know, and the continued relationships with some of the advisors that are that are active in the the council today. I mean, again, we are we are so fortunate to have that level of professionalism. Um, and then, of course, again, again, I'll just mention colleagues that you know had the opportunity to work with in the past, and everybody that's on my my particular team at the foundation, but also all the the folks that work across the the university system, and then of course all the other members of the plan giving council, and just how gracious everyone is with each other to help really do the right kind of work and work alongside our donors and serve people as well as we possibly can. For sure. And I would just say, adding to that quickly, 
I wouldn't be at the, well, I wouldn't have volunteered with the Minnesota Gift Planning Association if it wasn't for um, Mike Vinion, who worked at, works still at Wells Fargo, but they were investing our gift annuity and, and trust. And I was, there weren't other plan giving people at that time um, where I was working. And so I bounced many ideas and questions and more questions and questions off of him. And then thanks to volunteering with Susan Holmes and with Jane Townsend that I met the university. I'm pretty sure I would not have made that move had it not been for the council. (laughs) We might have twisted her arm a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, but good experience. Well, you make a great, you make a great team. It's, It's wonderful to have this conversation with the two of you together. And I'll just toss out one last thing. Uh, as I mentioned ahead of time, um, we we do invite you to share any advice you've gotten over the years, just a, a special piece of advice that you that you uh, put into action. You've shared some already, but maybe there's another little snippet you'd like to share with us. And then if there's anything you wanted to sort of promote by way of any kind of an upcoming event, another podcast, a book you recommend, or anything like that, please feel free. I'll go first. I'll let Susan end. Um, I really have shared most of mine. Again, a lot focused just on the stewardship and the importance of that and many, many quotes that I have. And and I also shared the fact of, um, you know, those who are our plan giving donors have elevated us to the status of a family member. And I have to credit Susan sometimes when we have um, development officers who want to know more, want to know right now, and um, might not be asking appropriate questions, Susan will say, um, you know, is that how you would treat your grandmother if they um, just told you that you're included in their plan? And so I think that has been something helpful to to think about and potentially to share with others is, um, again, you know, this how we're treating them and then um, in return, how they're treating us. We want it to be a good experience, not only for the donor, but for our organizations and just keeping that in mind um, throughout and as far as promoting something, I obviously, again, huge supporter and, and promoter of everything MGPA. So I would say, you know, the uh, educational sessions upcoming as they move back to in person to those who can potentially attend. And then, of course, uh, a shout out to next year, hopefully an in-person MGPA 47th annual conference. And um, we are always looking for volunteers for any of the committees and also as far as the conference any suggestions or speakers that you've heard uh, we are always looking for that so please reach out to anyone on the committee and you can find that uh, on the various committees you can find that information on the mgpa website and thank you so much for having me today oh my gosh where do i go from there i uh, there's just so many things to to think about in terms of um, just people that have been influential. And, and so what I'll say is that one of the things, the best things about being part of this organization and in this particular profession is the opportunity to really speak, to, to be mentored by people, as well as to be a mentor yourself. And, you know, 
gosh, I think back in the, uh, over my career again, I think back to Gary Hargroves, Susan Dunlop, to Phil Brain. Here again, people that are very, you know, instrumental in, in really building this, um, this profession here in Minnesota and nationally. Craig Rock, of course, you know, I mean, Jim Scarpetta, who was somebody, <laughs> these are all named from way in the past, but, um, but I think about all these people who, you know, Know, took you under your their wing as as young de- development professionals and really helped to to guide people along the way and so um you know this is one of the the ways in which to give back through this organization is to do the same and and to you know be a mentor and or just you know sign up to just walk alongside somebody as they're exploring this career or maybe they're they're mid career and they want to do something different and you know, just kind of gain some skills in various areas. You know, those are the kinds of ways in which you, you know, I always think when you're volunteering, you are learning just as much and you're gaining just as much as the person that or whatever it is you're looking to serve in that, in those capacities. So those are just things that I think are really important. So I would say, you know, take whatever calls that people will call you and ask for advice or they ask for 15 minutes of conversation about your career or, you know, what are the, those are just so important to, to pay it forward. And, you know, and, and because clearly I benefited from that. And I think we can really help um, to create the next generation of, of, of people that are in this profession. Um, that's going to be so important to do. So I wanted to mention those particular things. Um, and I just have to recognize the fact that Lynn and people on my team here are just such great uh, contributors to the Plan Giving Council still, and so I just and that is to be a great use of their time and the expertise. And just you know, being for, at the university, we have so many examples and wonderful best practice kind of things we can share just because of the volume of gifts that we that we um, that we get to work on on a regular basis. And so, please reach out to us if you have questions about things because you know, chances are we've probably seen it, and and we're very willing to share. <laughs> Here's what we learned in that experience, and and we will learn just as much from talking with any of you uh, about whatever it is you might be facing. Well, wonderful. It it has been a joy and such a pleasure to talk with the two of you. I really appreciate your taking the time to be our podcast guest today.